other words, that was, I did that. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here with us. And if you're joining us by internet, we're glad that you're here as well. Uh, let's sing together. Even if you're at home, uh, singing there on your couch, sing along with us. So this is a line in the land. Will you stand and let's sing together?
God, yes. And well, good morning. We're glad you're here to worship with us at First Baptist. If you're a guest with us, thanks for being here. And I want to uh, point you in the direction of a guest card at the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't mind filling that out, it's just a way to get to know you. And we've got a gift for you at the Welcome Center. If you're into the service, you can make your way up the ramp to the Welcome Center and you know, have a gift for you. So we just want to say thanks for being here with us. Now, if you're here with us last week, uh, we, we talked about, um, had a powerful service talking about God asking us uh, what, what we need from Him. And we talked about aligning our hearts with God's will and His desires. And I just wanted to kind of just remind you of that. If maybe that question stuck with you during the week and you've been sorting that out. But God has a good new, new experience for us this morning, an encounter with Him as we worship and as we get into Bible study and connection groups. Hopefully you will be a part of those in the next hour. But uh, I just want us to just be refreshed and reminded of what we experienced last week and then ready to see what God has in store for us this week. Let's pray and we'll continue to worship. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have for us. Uh, that we will bow before you because you are a marvelous, glorious God, uh, worthy of our praise and honor. God, I pray that you would just meet with us as we worship this morning, as we uh, engage in Bible study and, and, and enjoy fellowship with one another as your people. Uh, God, we just ask us to be attuned to your presence here with us, that you would move in our hearts so we may know more about you, know of your love, and be able to share that with others. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Will you stand again and let's sing together?
before you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. We're praying over situations in our church and in our lives. Each one of us are struggling with something. And so, Lord, I pray over those in Jesus' name that you will heal, that you will mend, that you will fix, that you'll bring restoration, resolution, the things going on in our lives, the things going on in our church. Lord, we know that uh, you've said in Philippians 4, 8, that if we think upon these good things, that, uh, that, those good th that our minds will, will be changed in that way. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you'll help us to think on those things, think on things that are true, and noble, and pure, and righteous, praiseworthy, and excellent. Lord, help us to focus our minds on those things, Lord. Lord we praise you because you are the great healer. We thank you because you are the great blesser. Lord, we pray right now for Dr. Cox as he comes and brings your message. We open our ears and our hearts to hear from you today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. That better? Okay. So, night of champions, Friday night, uh, we had uh, uh, six people fill out commitment cards that accepted Christ as Savior. 31 people indicated uh, they'd recommitted their life to Christ. But when I asked people before that to stand, there were close to 100 people stood, coaches, students. So, we just pray for those. Praise God for those decisions for Christ. And pray for those who are recommitting their life to Christ uh, that that'll be an impact upon our schools and students and coaches and teachers uh, as they commit their lives to Christ. This Wednesday is our outdoor service again. I'm sharing the story of Jonah. For you kids, I've got two trivia questions I want to ask you, see if you can tell us when you get here Wednesday night, what two animals does the book of Jonah talk about? Our theme for the summer, ask the animals and they will teach you. Well, there are two animals in the book of Jonah. One of them's easy, right? One of them's a little harder. What two animals? The second trivia question, what's the last word in the book of Jonah? Pretty easy to look up. What's the last word in the book of Jonah? What two animals does the book of Jonah talk about? I hope you'll come and be with us Wednesday at 6.30. Next Sunday afternoon at 5 is our outdoor baptism at Woods Reservoir at Crockett Cove. We'll have directions there available next Sunday. We have several people lined up to be baptized. It starts at 5 o'clock. I want to invite you to come and support them, see them baptized. We have a picnic following, uh, no charge, you don't have to bring anything. We have hot dogs, chips, drinks, uh, dessert, and so it's, um, it's a great fellowship. That's next Sunday at 5. If you are considering confessing your faith in Jesus Christ, you've never been baptized as a believer to confess him, 
Talk with me at the Welcome Center today after the service or to any of our pastors, and we'd be glad to help you and walk through with you and uh, help you be ready to be baptized and confess your faith in Christ if that's the opportunity you'd like to take advantage of next Sunday afternoon. I want to share a word of prayer. we got several folks in our church that I know of that are just dealing with health issues, death in their family. Um, I'm not going to call those by name, but just a lot of folks this week. Would you just, let's just pray together. Would you join me? Father in heaven, thank you that you set us in a church, that we love one another, we can support one another, and I just want to pray over our church family for a moment. Lord, I know some folks who have gotten cancer diagnoses just this week. I know some folks in our church who've had family members die suddenly and unexpectedly this week. Um, Lord, always in life, there's just a lot of stuff going on in families and in individual lives, and there's probably a lot of things I don't know about. There's probably some folks in their marriage or parenting or finances that are just sort of hurting here this morning, and Lord, we just want to pray the name of Jesus over each of those. We pray for strength and power and hope and healing and help and direction and support for those. Thank you, Lord, that we do not live life alone that you are our God and we are your people and your Holy Spirit is our comforter and helper. And we pray for our church family in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I want to direct your, or today I want to direct your attention to the two shortest books in the Bible. Near the end of your Bible are three letters that the Apostle John wrote. We call them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Well, 2nd and 3rd John are very short, less than a page each. They're the two shortest uh, books in the Bible. And we're going to look at them together this morning because they share a common theme. The theme of 2nd and 3rd John is walk in truth and love. The word walk is intended to describe the Christian life. As you are a Christ follower, you're walking through life day by day. And these letters tell us that we are to walk both in truth and in love. Now, the temptation in our lives is to walk in one without the other. That maybe we're walking in truth but not walking in love. Or we're walking in love but not walking in truth. And these letters are going to call us to walk in truth and love. Second John emphasizes more the necessity of walking in truth, and third John emphasizes the necessity of walking in love. The, these two letters share a common background issue that I share with you before we look at them, and that background issue is how or whether to support traveling missionaries. As the church was expanding in the Roman Empire, travel was easy. The, Romans was a, the Roman Empire covered the land and was a peaceful structure that made travel easy. They built good roads, but there weren't good hotels. Didn't have Motel 6, Hampton Inn, anything. And so traveling missionaries would seek lodging in the homes of other Christians. And the issue behind both of these books is how to respond to these traveling missionaries in truth and in love. Let's look at these two letters together. Let's start with 2 John. It begins in 2 John, the first verse, the elder. That's John describing himself. He was a pastor, an elder, 
to the chosen lady by God and to her children. Now that could be a literal Christian woman and her family, or it may be symbolic as we go through this letter and see it may be a church and the members of the church. And you see the theme introduced right away in the greeting, to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not only I, but also who all who know the truth. I encourage you, go through and you mark in your Bible, underline love and truth every time it appears in these two letters. Verse 2, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. You hear that theme even in the greeting. So it says in verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the father commanded us so john had met some of the ladies kids or i think more likely some of these church's members and he said as he writes to them it gives me great joy to know the ones i've met are walking in the truth just as the father commanded us and now dear lady i'm not writing you a new command but one we've had from the beginning i ask that we love one another and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Are you getting the theme of this letter yet? Walking in truth and love. So here comes to the issue, verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. So he's talking about false teachers. He's talking about some of these traveling teachers or missionaries who were not walking in the truth. They were committing heresy. They were denying uh, and not acknowledging that Jesus came in the flesh. You see, we often think today one of the heresies is people who don't acknowledge that Jesus is God, but perhaps the earliest heresy were those who said he's not human. He didn't come in the flesh. He just appeared and looked like that, but he wasn't really a man. And we know the truth of Jesus. He's fully God and fully man. Only way he could save us. He could only save us if he's God. He could only die for us if he's human. And so they denied the incarnation, these deceivers. So he says, any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. He's antithetical to the cause of Christ. You hear this emphasis on truth here. Watch out that you don't lose what we've worked for, but that you be rewarded fully. Verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Well, that's a clear statement of truth right there, isn't it? It's saying you don't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, you don't have God. You may claim to have a relationship with God, you don't. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So, verse 10, if anyone comes to you and doesn't bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So you see the application. It's saying when traveling missionaries come to you and they are not preaching the truth, you don't, don't let them stay at your house. Don't uh, support them because you'd be participating in their dissemination of error. And you've got to walk in the truth and be discerning. Now, this doesn't mean what it says, don't welcome them into your home. It does not mean in application that you're not to, uh, to be kind if a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door. It's fine to invite them in, offer them something to drink, talk with them about Jesus. It's not saying that don't be kind, or, but it's saying don't give them lodging that would further them on their way because then you're supporting them. So it says we can't, we're not to support anyone that teaches error uh, because that would not be walking in 
the truth. Now, let's look at 3 John, uh, and we see another perspective. The letter of 3 John begins, the elder, that's John again, to my dear friend Gaius. So it's written to a different person, a man named Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Here's that theme again, common to both letters. Dear friend, verse 2, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. I just love that verse. It's a great prayer to pray for people. A lot of times we pray for them to have good health. Won't you pray that their soul gets along well as well? What a great prayer. Verse 3, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Talking about traveling missionaries, you don't know. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So, 2 John is saying that show hospitality to further the mission of those who are preaching the truth. You hear the, the difference in emphasis? 2 John is saying, don't support those who are not walking in the truth. 3 John is saying, show love to those who are walking in the truth. And you have an obligation to be a missionary people, to support missions, and to further the cause of the kingdom. And then, verse 9, he calls out one guy who's not doing this. A church leader, maybe, in Gaius' church, a pastor or a lay leader. I wrote to the church, verse 9, but Theotrephes, who loves to be first. Do you ever know anybody who loves to be first? Well, Diotrephes loves to be first, will not welcome us. So here was this church leader, and he, he's, he's got to be in control. He nitpicks and finds trouble with everybody. He doesn't walk in love, and so he won't welcome anybody else into his church. And there are missionaries coming, and they're trying to get on, the, and he won't welcome them or support them. He's not walking in love. And so he says, verse 10, so when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing spreading malicious nonsense about us. And so Diotrephes, he's, he's gossiping about these missionaries and these teachers because he doesn't want any competition and he's jealous and he won't welcome them. And there's not love in his life. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. He's not walking in love. And the emphasis of 3 John is, Yes, we walk in truth, but we must also walk in love toward others. Don't love to be first. Don't nitpick others' lives. Don't start rumors. Don't be jealous. In verse 11, dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius, he might be the one bringing this letter. Paul sort of commends him now. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. Do you hear the issue in these two letters? Let me ask you, 
as we apply this beyond supporting missionaries. It certainly applies in that way. We don't want to support any ministry that is not telling the whole truth. It is wrong for us to send money to anybody or to, to give any uh, recommendation to a church or do anything that's preaching error. We've got to walk in the truth. But it's telling us that we do have an obligation to be loving and supporting of other believers in the truth. But let's apply it beyond that immediate uh, condition here in this, these letters. In other areas of your Christian life, are you walking in truth and love? And which of these is sort of deficient? Because again, we tend to either be more truth people, we're big on the truth, but we're deficient in love, or big love people, we're big on love, but we're deficient in the truth. If you are deficient in truth, you tend to be a person who never has conviction. You just want to get along with everybody. You don't want to rock the boat. You go, you're a follower and not a leader. You give in to peer pressure. You don't have any conviction. Uh, you compromise because you, you just don't ever want to take a stand. Is that you? If so, then the message to you is you need to walk in truth. The person who is deficient in love in their Christian walk is harsh and judgmental and nitpicking and is always negative and always finding something wrong. And that person needs to hear that God calls us to walk in love. Now, I'm not saying that you truth people need to come down off the truth some, or you love people ought to come down off the love some. It's not that we, we, we are less of either, but that we are full of both. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Let me share with you John 1.14, how Jesus is described when he came in the flesh, incarnation. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it describes him as full of grace and truth. You see it in the last part of that verse there? The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. That's sort of a synonym for love. He was full of that gracious lovingness, and He was full of truth, and that's what we're to be as well. Let's try to apply that to our lives. Let's try to apply it in your home. In your family role, are you walking in truth and love? Are you deficient in one or the other? Let's apply it to parenting. Uh, there are parents who are deficient in the truth. And they never set boundaries, never set rules for their kids, never teach them the truth. Sometimes there are parents who, who so uh, need affirmation. You know, if you're short on affirmation and you got to have it from your kids, that's a bad situation to be in. And, and, and so they want to be a buddy or a friend or cool to their kids. And so there's, there's no rules and there's no boundaries and there's no direction because, because I need this affirmation. Sometimes you got to be tough to be a parent. And, and, and that's hard sometimes. Then there are parents on the other extreme who are always negative, and, and they got plenty of rules. There's no shortage of rules, but it's so, it's always, you're always deficient. You're always coming up short, and they're always critical and perfectionistic. And guys, maybe that's the tendency for more for us as fathers, 
Uh, not always, but it may be that oftentimes that's what we're deficient in because the one thing that the Bible says in regard to parents when it gets to fathers, it says, children, obey your parents. Ephesians 6.2 and in 6.4 it gets to fathers. It says, fathers, don't overcorrect your children or don't exasperate your children. So it sounds like for us, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the tendency for us is to be deficient in love in your family in your marriage in your parenting in your role in your family are you walking in full of truth and full of love let's apply it to the to the church in our church relationships are we full of truth and full of love what's the what's the tone of your connection group what's the discussion in your connection group like if you are following the ways of culture and you your discussion is just in line with what culture is then you may be deficient in the truth and if you are always in your discussion negative and condemning and always harsh and always what's wrong then you may be deficient in love where are you you see in american christianity you have a spectrum of 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 churches from what we might call liberal or progressive Christianity to conservative and fundamental Christianity. And those in progressive denominations and churches today are deficient in truth. They don't believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. They often don't believe that homosexuality is wrong. They're deficient in the truth. Now most of us, are, we're evangelical, we're conservative Christians, the tendency for us that we must look at, are we deficient in love? Not compromising the truth. Jesus is full of truth, full of grace. But are we deficient in love? That's the danger for us. I'm saying because you look at Jesus. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. They were the most conservative group in the, in the Jewish landscape. They were the denomination or the group that was most conservative morally and theologically but what were they de deficient in? Well, they brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery to Jesus and said, our law says that uh, we're to stone her. What do you say? They, they pretty much had the truth. That's wrong. That is what the law said. But they were deficient in love. And I'm saying for those, those of us who are big on truth, we have to be sure that we're also full of love. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. I'll tell you a story. Randy Alcorn was a pastor in Oregon, then became a writer, wrote a lot of books, a great writer. And his church in the 80s, after the Supreme Court decision of uh, Roe versus Wade, was active in the pro-life movement. He, he was one of the pioneers and leaders, and, and they went to abortion clinics and uh, held up signs uh, and offered help to mothers, we'll help you financially, abortion stops a beating heart, those kind of things. Well, some pro-choice groups decided to give Alcorn's church a taste of their own me medicine. And so one Sunday, three pro-choice groups joined together, Rock for Choice, Radical Women for Choice, and Lesbian Avengers joined together and came to picket Alcorn's church in Portland, Oregon. They heard they were coming, so they decided to set up tables out in the parking lot and offer them free coffee and donuts. 
They're trying to walk in truth and walk in love. And they had members out there, and they, and they tried to engage them in conversation. And, and, uh, and they began to make some headway. And Alcorn says he was there, and he was talking to a guy named Charles, and they had they'd got to talking about Christ, and he even exchanged phone numbers, and we're going to follow up. And then this group of street preachers came in with these signs that said, you're going to hell and damnation, and got started shouting and got between them, and it escalated into a, uh, into a shouting match. And he said the next week, the Radical Women for Choice and the Lesbian Avengers weren't there, but the street preachers came back and picketed his church because they had served donuts and coffee to those folks that came to picket. And Alcorn said, so one week we got picketed by people who were deficient in the truth, and the next week we got picketed by people who were deficient in love. It's hard to walk in truth and love. And if we try to walk in truth and love as a church, you're probably going to be criticized by both sides. But Jesus has called us to be full of truth and to be full of love. Let me share with you a principle that I think will help us as a church, perhaps, and as, as individuals to walk in truth and love when it's hard like that, when we're not sure what to do. Let me share with you this principle. Association or kindness does not imply approval, but affiliation or partnership does apply, imply approval. So, so being nice to somebody who doesn't have the truth doesn't imply that you approve of that. So you, you know, rake the leaves for your elderly Mormon neighbor. Be kind, be nice to people who don't believe or have different lifestyles than we have. Befriend them. Association doesn't imply approval. Now some people will criticize you for that. And they, those on one side will say, oh, you approve that. But association and kindness doesn't imply approval, but affiliation, when you link together in a venture, or partnership, does imply approval. You get it? Now, let me show you where I get this in Scripture. You think, wait, you just make that up? No, let me show you where I get this in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, let me share with you an example there and what Paul said about it. 1 Corinthians 5.1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans don't tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? So here was an example of adultery or maybe even incest uh, in the church at Corinth and they were somehow proud they were progressive and they were allowing that kind of thing and so Paul Paul says you're not walking in the truth you should have exercised church discipline and he speaks here the final step of discipline Matthew 18 outlines church discipline where you first go to a person privately and lovingly say hey this is not in line with with truth and then you take somebody with you and finally there becomes then that that kind of discipline and Paul said, that's what should have happened here. And, and you've, you've tolerated this. So this is saying, now note, uh, this is talking about an overt, repeated, unrepentant sin. It's not talking about church discipline every time somebody messes up, falls into temptation, commits some sin. We respond in love. 
we're all sinners, but it's talking about that blatant, obvious, it's obvious, you know, you're, these two are coming into church, sitting down together, obvious, unrepentant, proud, you're proud of this sin, th then you're not walking in truth if you turn a blind eye to that. In the church, he said, because affiliation or partnership, membership, implies approval if you do that. Now, let me read to you the end of the chapter. You can read all of it in between, but I'm going to skip to the end, verses 9 through 13. I wrote to you in my letter. So Paul had written a letter before 1 Corinthians we don't have. Uh, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not in all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or adulterers. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler, don't even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, but expel the wicked person from among you. You get the context here? He's saying, I'm not telling you you don't associate with people who are in bad lifestyles, who are teaching doctrinal error, that's just going to be part of the world. In fact, we've got to reach out to and love those people. But he said, what I'm telling you is when you are affiliated with them, when you are in the partnership of a church with them, then you must exercise judgment there because that implies approval if you don't. And so he's saying where there is that membership, then then you're going to have to take a stand for truth. Love these people in the world. God will judge those outside the church, he says. You don't have to pronounce judgment over everybody in the world. He says God will do that. You love them. But he says when you come into a partnership, then there has to be, there has to be that walking in truth. Let me apply this to a situation I think will happen in our church. It hasn't happened yet. But I'm just telling you, you're here in the next 20 years, it's going to happen. There's going to be a lesbian couple comes to our church or a gay couple comes to our church. So what's going to be our response there? Let me tell you what I think our response needs to be based upon this. We are to welcome them, be kind to them, shake hands with them, invite them to your connection group because association and Kindness does not imply approval. Now, some will criticize that and say, oh, those people at First Baptist, they are welcoming, they're welcoming these kind of lifestyles. We get that criticism, okay? We get it. But here's, but membership, that implies approval. So they're not going to be received into membership until there's repentance for that. Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is the condition for every one of us to come and confess him in baptism and to be members of a church. And so that because other, if you receive them into membership, that applies, that implies approval. Do you understand the distinction there? It's tough, but we are to walk in truth and love. It's hard sometimes. I've had members of our, my church, of our church ask me, Pastor, a family member uh, is getting married. It's a gay wedding. They've invited me to go. Should I go? And you'll have to decide if that's affiliation or if that's association, which will imply approval. Uh, my view is when you're a part of a wedding, even there as a guest, you're a witness, you're a part of a ceremony, 
And I haven't been in that situation yet, but I don't think I could do that. But you'll have to decide, is that, is that association or is that implying a partnership there? I'll tell you a story about a Southern Baptist in Washington State, Baronel Stoneman. Uh, owns a, uh, a florist there. Had a customer, uh, a man named Robert, for many years who was gay. She did many flower arrangements for birthdays, for parties he had. Knew he was gay. They were friends. But then he, she, he came in. He'd even, she'd even done arrangements for the anniversary gift to his partner. But he came in one day, and they were getting married, and he wanted her to do the floral arrangements for the wedding. And she said, no, I can't do that. See, association and kindness doesn't imply approval. That's walking in love to people who are different. But affiliation and partnership, to her, that implied approval. And she said, look, I, I, here's another florist I'll direct you to. They would do that, but I just can't go again. I can't be a partner in that. So he sued her, and she has lost all of her life savings over the last 10 years, went to Washington Supreme Court, went to the U.S. Supreme Court. They wouldn't hear it. Back to Washington Supreme Court because this Southern Baptist lady took a stand to walk in love and to walk in truth. It's hard to be like Jesus and be full of grace and full of truth. But that's our calling. That's our calling. In your life and in our church, let us be people who will not shrink from walking in love, no matter the criticism, and will not shrink from walking in truth no matter the criticism. Well, 2 John and 3 John, give us that picture. 2 John says, hey, you can't support doctrinal error. You've got to walk in truth. Don't accept those teachers. Don't, don't send them on their way. 3 John says, you've got to walk in love. Don't just love to be first and be nitpicky of people. When they're genuine, you've got to show hospitality. You must walk in love. And Christ calls us to walk in truth and in love. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we want to be like Jesus. We're grateful that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And we are grateful that, that he is love, uh, and he loves sinners, and he loves us. Oh God, I just want to pray for our church and us as individuals and for parents and people in their marriages in our work relationships, oh God, we want to be like Jesus. Help us to see if we're deficient in truth or deficient in love and help us to walk in truth and love. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to have a time of public invitation. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is you're a sinner. You're going to hell. The only way to get to heaven is Jesus Christ, God's only son. Let me tell you God loves you. He loves you more than anybody's ever loved you. He loves you so much. He gave his one and only son to die in your place. And he longs for you to come into a relationship with him. And he sends the Holy Spirit to woo you. So today, would you want to come in this tough life, but great life of following Jesus Christ? I invite you to walk forward. You want to come and recommit your life. You want to come be a member. You want to come pray about something. This is your time to respond to him. Let's sing together.
seated. I have just a couple of quick announcements before we dismiss this morning. Uh, Dr. Cox has mentioned a few things that are already there in your worship guide. Just want to highlight a couple of events that are coming up. The end of the summer on July 29th is our kids' ministry uh, pool party. You can see that information in there. I'm sure Todd and Susan would want me to remind you that uh, the Manchester School of the Arts, SOTA, has taken registration, and so that is open for this fall semester. So they'd love to have, they've got a child, a grandchild, a neighbor that's interested in uh, either lessons and in, in instruments or voice. They'd love to have them participate in uh, SOTA as well. And I also just want to remind you about our, our upcoming uh, men's backpacking trip in early September. So if that's something that interests you, men, please come let me know so I can get you on the list. I think we've got uh, 12 guys signed up right now, so we'd love to, have, uh, love to have even more that would be interested in coming and being a part of that as well. As we close this morning, just want to remind you a couple of things. We've got our connection group hour that takes place here this very next hour. We would love to have you stay as you're exiting these doors. Uh, if you haven't been to a connection group yet, just head up there to the left, and we've got uh, some folks there that will help uh, direct you to a class, uh, find one that is appropriate for you, get you connected to, to that class, and, and take you there so uh, you know where you're going. We'd love to have you be a part of a smaller group of people to get connected with here at the church. And also just want to remind you of, of our offering boxes there on the back wall. Man, the Lord's blessed us in so many ways, and we just want to uh, return by, by giving him of our tithes and our offerings, and you can, you can do that there by just dropping that in, in the back wall as you're exiting. Let me close this in prayer, and we'll be dismissed this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, that you are the perfect example of, of truth and love, and I pray, God, that you help us to be an example of truth and love in our lives. We thank you for this challenge this morning, and we pray that you help us to live it out. It's in your sons, and we pray. Amen. Help her.